in the book of Ebon are scrawled the rights to open the seven doors of podcasting, beyond which you'll find the world's most infernal podcast, the Pod People. I'm Matisse Van Rossum, and in my cellar, what you know about bubbling, musty bones coming out my walls. <laughs> I'm Ben Sheets, but you can call me Dickie the Dirty Dog. Word. Okay, hi. Uh, I'm Cleveland Mosier, uh, and today I'm beyond two moles. I have a mole problem. What it's, kind of mole? Uh, like the kind that dig around in your yard? So it's both, actually. They're moles with moles. For, uh, but there's two of them. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, you're beyond two of them. So there's more than two. Yeah, it, it's, it's, more of an ex- it's more of an experience, really. A uh, mole experience. So, yeah. That's perfect, because the movie we're talking about this week uh, is also uh, an experience. It is. Uh, <laughs> and it's not a David Cage game, either. It's, uh... No, but uh, I would say that the logic sometimes borders on David Cage. Yes. Wouldn't you? Yeah, I would. Uh, yeah, so this week we are going to be talking about a Patreon pick. This film is brought to us by our honorary pod boy, Sarah Morris. Thank Sarah, you, Sarah. We thank you for Shout this pick. Shout out to Sarah. Shout out to Sarah. And Sarah has chosen a special film for us to talk about this week. We are talking about the 1981 Italian horror film, The Beyond, uh, directed by Lucio Fulci. Not to be confused with From Beyond, starring Jeffrey Combs. Correct. Which is a Bob Sear episode on As we said at the end of last week's episode, yes, this is not uh, From Beyond. This is The Beyond. Uh, That's its American title, at least. And uh, it is a a grindhouse, giallo, zombie horror flick uh, about a woman who inherits a old hotel in the Louisiana backcountry. And that hotel just so happens to be placed upon one of the seven gates to hell. Uh, and that is pretty much the extent of the story in this movie. Lady has a hotel. It has a gate to hell in the basement. That's the movie. Uh, I think this is technically our second Giallo film on the podcast. It's kind of an underrepresented genre uh, on the show. We have talked about the original Suspiria by Dario Argento, but uh, this is our first Fulci flick who uh, is sort of the uh, Italian George Romero. I don't know. He's not yeah. kind of Fulch of himself. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> yeah, I mean, in addition to this, which I should say, this movie is technically like the first in a spiritual trilogy mm. with uh, City of the Living Dead, and there's one other... can't remember the name right now. But uh, Fulci also did Zombie 2, Yes. Um, which internationally was the sequel to Dawn of the Dead. The unofficial sequel, yeah. yes, of course. Uh, <laughs> this is also a, uh, as I mentioned, a grindhouse film. It was nice to uh, get the get the little grindhouse music at the beginning of uh, of the movie. Can we rewind a second? Um, I, I this is my first time uh, hearing about this uh, zombie too. I, I have a couple of questions. Sure. First off. Okay, so sometimes, like, 
releases, you know, like internationally, like the, uh, have their names changed. Mm-hmm. Is it that situation or is it called Zombie 2 because he didn't have the rights to Dawn of the Dead but still wanted to make a sequel of it? That so one. there is no... That's well, amazing. It's actually both because internationally Dawn of the Dead released as Zombie. Yes, that's true. And also but, internationally, Zombie 2 was released as just Zombie. Yeah. So, <laughs> so in, in the states, it's it's also Zombie Two. That's amazing. In in, in the states, in the states, Fulci's Zombie Two is just Zombie. Oh fuck! But that's the Italian, even more confusing. Yeah, oh but the God. Italian title is <laughs> Zombie Two because Dawn of the Dead was released released internationally as Zombie. So Fulci made a sequel to Dawn, his own sequel to Dawn of the Dead called Zombie Two. Dude. Could you imagine getting that past like a marketing team in this day and age? No. Like, 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 yo, I love this movie so much. We don't have the rights to it that I just want to give my name a different title, but also still a sequel. So it's like, look, I, I love Pixar's Up so much. I want to do like a sequel to it with like legally distinct characters. But it's it's it is a sequel to that to that world in that movie, right? So can we call it like uh, uh, Flying House? Flying House Two. There's no Flying House 1. I just want to call it Flying House 2. That's amazing. That, yeah. what, a, what a gift. Wow. Truly special. It what is a, made uh, my day, honestly. That, it is, is, that is hilarious. It is a self-suck horror Ouroboros. <laughs> a horror Boris. A horror Boris. Damn. Um, but anyway, we are not talking about Zombie 2 on this episode. We are talking about the other film that Fulci is uh, most famous Here, for. Let me just write down Horror Boris in our sponsor shelf book of phrases <laughs> for later. That's going to that's gonna be really nice. Cleveland, this was your first time with Fulci and, uh, as I understand, with Giallo in general oh. and also with The Beyond. Is oh, that right? no, I, I've I've seen other Giallo films, I'm sure, uh, at some point. I, I am notoriously baby, it's true. Not to be confused with uh, not-so-hit rapper and artist these days, Da Baby. Da Baby. Yeah, uh, uh, boo. But I'm sure, I'm sure it's somewhere, like, down the line, I, I, I've seen another Giallo film. I have not seen the original Suspiria yet. I've only seen the remake uh, at this at this time of recording. Um, though I, I need to I need to change that like immediately, frankly. And I don't know if I have it, if I've seen any of his other works. But I, I there, there's got to be like a few films I've seen that are like tangentially Jallo. Like, is this our first Jallo film on the podcast? Yes. Like, our, our second after the original Suspiria, which I wasn't yeah, here for. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> our our first with you here in terms of Jallo as a as a genre. Uh, the other big names other than Fulci are, of course, Argento, um, Mario Bava. Uh, I mean, there's there's a shitload of them. They're made for very low budget uh, and have a, a, a distinct kind of Italian charm to them. But uh, regardless of whether you've seen others or not... I've uh, seen other movies where they have got Goblin doing the score. I know that. Well, Goblin did... A lot of scores. scores. Yeah, yeah. Did American well. stuff, yeah. too, yeah. Um, Anyway, how did the Beyond strike you, Cleveland? Is it what you were expecting going in? I I wasn't expecting anything, so I was pleasantly pleased. The film sets you up for what it's going to be very early on, Mm -hmm. like... Uh, even if you're not necessarily like deeply familiar with the genre, which I'm not, um, I might've seen one before. Isn't really a huge claim. Even still, I know what I'm in for because I have seen a good number of spaghetti Westerns, which is essentially the same, just, you know, outside of genre. Same same time period, 
basically. Mm, yeah. Like tangential production. They have a lot in common. They're, they're, uh, there's a lot of the, the same uh, hallmarks of Italian filmmaking, such as not recording uh, live sound yes. yeah. uh, and everything being ADR'd and foleyed, uh, which, man, the Italians sure did love to do. I love, <laughs> I love that they did it. It, it really, um, these films are already like, like spaghetti westerns mm. and, and jalo like are, are such uh, cartoons already that by dubbing over the voices it just further emphasizes like the cartoon element because well, like also, so often like you know cartoons like you know might not like sync up properly with the lips and all yeah so. also it, it gives it a it's able to give them a larger international appeal as well because oftentimes the cast are uh not native english speakers some are some are some are um but in fulci and argento films there are lots of uh, Italian actors, and uh, they also I, they pull a lot of Eastern European actors as well. Um, so you know maybe not not native English speakers, not able to speak without an accent. So you know they they approximate their English lines on set, and then in post you bring a, you bring an American on or something to to dub over their lines, so you can distribute these movies abroad. Yeah, which rules. Is it necessarily like quote quality? No, no, it's great. No, and, and, it's not quality. But don't don't change a thing. I love it. So in several previous podcast episodes, like the Forever Purge, most recently, and others, I've mentioned that I am just craving. I am foaming at the mouth for a cowboy horror movie. I need it in my life. Please hit us up on Twitter or something if you have any in mind. Bone I, Tomahawk. Yeah. Like, I'm not a huge you. fan of Bone Tomahawk, but we might have to watch it to to satisfy your hunger. Yeah, and it may not even for the podcast, but like, it's so strange to me that it's not a much, much larger genre for a couple of reasons. Especially now, after watching this film, which has like the, the the scoring has like a lot of western like motifs in it, uh, mm-hmm. and and again it's also set in Louisiana, so yeah. you know it's 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 very southern as well. So it it already like is starting to bring up that that sort of imagery, and I I just I feel like when you have so many Jalo films and western films at the same time, like where are the the crossovers? Like where do these films not exist? Like by all accounts, I feel like just a couple should. No good ones. Yeah, I and mean we've 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 seen the pale door. Yeah, man. <laughs> but I mean, like, it just like from this era. Yeah, I right? mean, there's certainly violent, nihilistic, and bloody as hell westerns from the time sure, period. But like, there. but like a supernatural but cowboy movie. Yeah, the the crossover like, between western and supernatural is is a. A, a strangely untapped it, well. It, I agree with it you. It doesn't make sense to me because sorry, but I want to get this shtick out of the way. Like, um, it yeah, doesn't. This movie is not a western. No, it's not. <laughs> but like, it's sorry. This is just so like deep. Like, it's just like this this brain worm that I have right now. Culturally, for cowboys, it makes sense. You know, like you've got like ghost riders in the sky. These ideas of like like hauntings in the desert. Like it. It just, it I guess from sense. dust from dust till dawn is yes. another one. Yeah, from dust till um, dawn is one, uh, and uh, unfortunately, like like Marvel's Ghost Rider, like is is another one, kind of. Uh, but barely, yeah, again, but, barely. Yeah. But uh, it it just it like 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 you've got just like werewolf cowboys. You could do again like vampire cowboys, kind of. Like it's 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 still like kind of gothic vampires. You know, there's a little need, bit of shooting we need to, in, we need to get in From Dust Till Dawn. We need to get you on the near-dark train, because that's probably that's the... That's a great one. That's probably the closest thing 
to what you're asking for, and it's a genuinely fantastic film. Ravenous, yeah. too, we covered on the podcast, and that's a horror yeah, western Ravenous in a lot is of ways. Kind of, yeah, uh, if you haven't seen Ravenous Cleave, it's a it's a Wendigo uh, story Ooh. set in like post Civil War on like the frontier. Yo, yes, uh, that's exactly or no, what I'm maybe asking pre Civil War. It's it's that's good. exactly what I'm. It's wanting. good. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a horror comedy, uh, but it, it's good. It's good. Yeah. That's okay. Like yeah, if it's quality, like um, it is quality. Hell, I. I I saw our Pale Door episode. We've done, we've done episode. I've, uh, podcast as well before before you were a regular host. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I actually I don't even need quality at this point. I, I just <laughs> I, I just want like cowboy hats and and edginess. Like it's just I. Mm. But no, it, it is true, or at least like some kind of paranatural like force in the film. Um, I don't care what it is; it, it can be anything, undead, you name it. I don't mind. I almost want to like sit down, and, like write a fucking script or if something. If you want a more like, recent sort of acid western horror i would really recommend the movie let the corpses tan um i watched it a few months back and it's it's an italian crime movie gone wrong and it very much has giallo and acid western yes please vibes to it it's very strange very slow very weird but you would probably like it we should probably start talking about the beyond, though. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, it's we're like time. Fifteen minutes into this yeah, episode, it's time. I just that talked was about the, the actual. That was movie. my bet. It's just like I need it. I'll probably uh, there'll be an opportunity to bring it up again. I just more like cowboy horror, please, um, and not violent cowboy movies like paranormal cowboy films. All right, let's let's talk about from the beyond. Uh, what did I what did I think of it? I loved it. I thought it was great. Uh, it's campy uh, and it's it's very consistent in the pacing. It is fairly constant. Hilarious yes. gore effects, nonstop good kills, uh, and again, like when it's funny. I mean, it's really consistently like funny bad. Also, I I really enjoyed this movie. Yeah, and for me, like it's less of a narrative and more of a practical effects showcase. Absolutely. Like I think a lot of the practical effects are really stunning in this. I love how much Fulci loves to destroy eyeballs. Mm. Um, there's so many times when just eyeballs get yeah, wrecked lot, in this. There's a lot of eye trauma in this one and his other stuff too. Uh, Fulci hates an eyeball. Uh, my man hated to see apparently. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, um, yeah, no, I agree with you. Like narrative on this is, is super bare bones. Like, like we mentioned the main premise this woman inherits a, an old hotel. It's on top of one of the seven gates to hell. There was like an old painter who opened one of the gates in the past and like the townspeople killed him and like buried him uh, under the hotel. There's a, a, a mysterious blind woman who's trying to warn our protagonist, Liza, like leave the hotel, like don't fuck around with this. There, it, It's evil. And then uh, there's a doctor who serves as the love interest, kind of, but doesn't really do anything. He's pretty useless, but loves to act like he's not. He um, definitely knows how to load a gun, most we'll, importantly. We'll get to that. Oh, yeah. Don't think I've forgotten. We'll get to that. The biggest footnote. We'll get to that. Uh, we can't blow our load that early. No, no, no. Um, but, uh, That's the yeah, best part there's, of the movie. There's not, there's not much of a story to to speak of. Um, the, the gate to hell opens below the hotel. Uh, there's some zombies and a bunch of people die. As you mentioned, it's kind of a practical effect showcase. Yeah. 
there's a pretty steady pace of kills about every between five to ten minutes. Uh, we've got another kill set piece. And they all follow kind of uh, the same formula. Like, they're all very different, but it's uh, something supernatural comes for a person very slowly, and they stand there or lie there and allow themselves to be murdered. Um, I don't think there's anybody in this entire movie who had to die. If they had <laughs> just, in some cases, at a normal walking pace, just left the room, they would <laughs> have sur- they would have survived. Uh, but that's not what it's about. It's yeah, not what no. it's about. It's about let's let's use our very minimal budget to, in a spectacular way, show people's bodies being absolutely destroyed. Yeah, yeah really and, creative and, stuff. And you know the the slowness of it is very funny. It reminds me of funny. like. A fish called Wanda, where the one of the characters is being run over by a cement roller, and it's yeah. slowly moving his way towards him, and he's screaming the whole time while just laying there. But like, more importantly, all of the 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 kills are super creative. I think about the the one, for example, at the morgue, yes. uh, yes. <laughs> which is probably the most pre- preventable one. Well, yeah, what even happens? Like, the woman and her daughter show up to, like, see the body of of uh, the, the, the husband who was killed by a skeleton in the, in the basement. The daughter is waiting outside, and the mother goes in. She looks up off camera and screams, and then the daughter comes in, and she's just lying on the floor while, like, a big jar of acid, like, teeters on top of a shelf and falls over and spills onto her face for, like, three minutes. So, the effect is awesome. Yeah, I, it's so fun, but, like, what happened to her? <laughs> Why actually, is there acid on the top right, shelf just maybe, hanging out? Maybe I misread the scene, but actually that kill made the most sense to me. Interesting. I, who, who, like, she's standing over the body of her husband, who does come back as a zombie later. It would make sense for, like, him to come back and kill her, but she looks up off screen at something. I thought, I thought she was, she's, like, turning up and fainting. I thought she was, like, looking see, at him. See, like, She saw him move or something. Narratively, and, like, it made sense to me. It's the fact that they had a big jar of acid on the top shelf just yeah, hanging no, out. Like, but, like, like, I thought it, it's, it's well enough tracked. What knocked it over? Her, her, like, let me, like, from the top, let me from the top, like, explain, like, what I thought happened. And I thought it was really clear. We see, like, maybe her husband move or another zombie or something, and she screams and she falls backwards and faints, hitting the cabinet there, knocking over the jar and the acid spilling onto her face. Except- and she's already passed out. And so like, she's, she's like unconscious and it's just melting her face off, which horrified me. Except everything that you've described, none of it, except for the acid part happens on camera. Well, no, like, like it's off camera. Like it's implied, like, or at least I thought like, uh, like, like it's, it's implied. She screams, the girl comes in, she's on the ground. Like the thing that was sitting on the shelf, her head is like against the shelf. Like it was like right back there. Like, um, like she she hits the shelf and it knocks the thing over. Like it seems like a Rube Goldberg series of events, and we see the aftermath, which is I think b- the horrifying. Well, part. that's that's the part that 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 matters. Yeah, the, the fact that we're nitpicking over it is not even the point. It's because everything 
goes to serve the fact that they built like a a, a paper mache like person's head and dumped a bunch of acid on it yeah. and you get to watch it and her daughter like comes in minutes. and like like watches the whole thing and like like seeing like in the same room like like walking to this room where your mother just fainted and like seeing her die like seeing her face be melt like in the worst way possible right yeah. like unconscious just have her face melted off like in the same room like seeing your dead father's corpse for the first time like I was really haunted and traumatized by that scene. Like, I, I thought it was, like, I mean, not earnestly, but, like, I think it depicted, like, that. Like, her her expression, like, seeing this all happen is, like, really um, uh, alarming. I was, I was pretty, like, legitimately chilled by that scene, which I think is impressive considering, like, how campy and cartoony this movie is that, like, it still was able to affect me like that. There's a few scenes like that where it really rides the line pretty beautifully between being kind of funny... And also kind of horrifying. I think that one's a great example. I think there's some eyeball gouging stuff later on. That's good examples of that as well. It's a shame, too, because like that scene, that same scene also ends with like a really campy, like fade transition that like completely undercuts like all of the the drama of the scene, which I think is kind of necessary, like in a cartoony film like that anyway. So it's well, yeah. the, the movie... editing. The editing of this film and other films like it is uh, Buck Wild. is essentially very un-American. Yeah, and it, it uh, uses it's, it's definitely liberal, got a different sense liberal of use of punch-ins with this. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, well, like, I mean, I from the air, I expect nothing less. Yeah. Like, honestly, I mean, that's actually like fairly American too. You got like black exploitation films like love to use the punch-ins. Genuinely, so let's, films. let's bring let's bring the punch-in back, please. Um, love it, but it definitely adds. It's the camp the yes. silliness but, of it, which is balanced pretty well in this movie with some very horrifying things. Let's back up a little bit. I want to talk about Joe the Plumber, the most Italian man I have ever <laughs> seen on screen. Yeah, we see him pull up in his truck. It's like he's supposed to be like a like a, a kind of Louisiana hillbilly, but it's like, nah, man. That dude's Italian. <laughs> that swarthy motherfucker like, is Italian. People with Italian or Greek ancestry can like live in the South and have Southern accents. It's clearly not the case here, though. Like this guy is like, like uh, it's it's he's lip synced as fuck, and uh, yeah, yeah it's it's pretty funny. Like like Giuseppe like walks up. <laughs> We're and, back. Uh, we brought him back around. Giuseppe's back. Yeah. <laughs> Buca di Beppo. <laughs> poor, poor poor Giuseppe. Uh, uh, anyway, Gi- Giuseppe shows up. And uh, and then and then says, hi, y'all, I'm the plumber. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty great. It's pretty funny. Holds a lighter up to his cigarette, but doesn't actually they light it. it and then pretends that he's smoking it. It's clearly unlit. Yeah, well, he's one of the early, you know, bits of practical effects. He falls off the ladder, gets hurt. And no, that's somebody else. That's that's one of the people who's painting the house. Oh yeah, you're right. He yeah. turns and sees like the the blind woman in the window and gets startled and falls off. And then they call Joe after that. Joe's the one who goes into the flooded basement and finds like the secret tunnel. Yeah, from, yeah, from back in right. the in the thirties. The or, or, skeleton gets him. He find yeah he he gets uh, he gets his eyes. Uh, ripped out by a spooky scary skeleton yeah which is the first eye gouging yes in the movie and i think the effect is incredibly done you it see like great. the eyeball fully come out Man, that's what's so funny is like this film has such great attention to detail in respect to like the practical effects and then it misses things like the guy lighting a cigarette 
I, it, it's 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 well, so you, inconsistent. I, I mean, love it. You see where their focus really was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like this is as Ben said. It's not. It's not so much interested in telling a compelling story because that it does not. Uh, but it is interested in uh, doing some really fun, wild, uh, practical gore effects. That's all it really it, cares about. And, and yeah, it's like you said, the story is very simplistic. It's it's essentially honestly, uh, it's like a, it's like a paranormal TV show episode of plot. Really, like it's it's very it's and a simple one at that. It's just padded out by like tons of great gore and kills. I think you could you could pretty much like. Uh, remove all of the like uh, kill sequences and just piece them together in a montage uh, like a 20 like a 20 minute montage and you get really everything you need to out of this film yeah um, and, and I, I, say- I that, that being said like I do like this film and and recommend people watch it. Yeah. But you're but you're you're you need to know what you're going what you're watching it for. And, mm-hmm. Characters you know, and story are not. On it. the no. flip side, I would say there are some very effective pieces of narrative in this movie. I think of for example the the painting that's introduced early oh, in yes. the movie that so is good. quite well done and quite horrifying. And how that is, you know, followed up on later in the movie. I don't, I don't want to jump into spoilers just yet. But. No, we we can mention that like the the first scene in the film is uh, is like a flashback to like the twenties or thirties when there's like an artist staying at the hotel who is painting these kind of like uh, hellscape uh, paintings um, and has this this book this this grimoire, the Book of Ebon. Um, that has you know the the rituals to open the the gates of hell or whatever um but yeah his his painting is still is still lying around uh the the hotel the magic painting and it bleeds at one point which is cool oh, i love a bleeding so painting yeah, man. <laughs> like the the magic painting like is is one of my favorite like thematic narrative things you can do uh, uh there's a there's a more academic way of putting it but uh you know everything from how Midsummer like f- foreshadows so much of you know like it's it's narrative through like the the fun like illustrations to um you know other other films with like you know like the magic portals through paintings and such you know you yeah have, like, I love I like love, Dark Souls you know I love like, like art. initially ends with like a magic painting I love art in horror um you know uh, aside from our our Candyman review from last week uh, uh I just like reread Apartment sixteen by adam neville which is a fucking very awesome uh good horror story that is all centered around uh an a, artist painting an, in an the evil void. artist yeah uh and and I, I i love that shit honestly i wish this movie did a little bit more of that i wish we got some more paintings mm-hmm. uh, i would have liked to see like some some paintings that uh like the one painting we do continue to see like does foreshadow the end of the film but i think it would have been cool if they'd found more paintings that like maybe foreshadow some of the kills like a painting of somebody getting eaten by spiders or like with their head dissolving in acid or something like that i agree that would have been really fun can we talk about the spider scene yeah Yeah, let's talk about the spider scene how did you like that cleveland yeah as our resident arachnophobe uh so the spiders in question were uh tarantulas uh, of course, because they're the I think the easiest big spiders you can get a hold of. Uh, they're also like relatively docile. 
too, like like standard like house pet taran- like style tarantulas. But um, they're big and they're hairy, and people who don't like mm-hmm. spiders are scared I mean, of them. Let, let's be real too. Like when I say house pet, I'm putting big air quotes around that. Um, <laughs> uh, though I have had multiple friends in the past with pet tarantulas. Um, Couldn't be me. No, nope. not me. You know, well, I, I you know, I, I told him I understand that tarantulas molt every so often and leave behind a perfect replica shell of their body that it looks exactly like the damn thing. Like, they just leave behind this perfect shell of a tarantula. And I told them if they ever pranked me with it, I'd kill their real spider. I'm, I'm not about I'm not about animal cruelty, but but like like you you fucking prank me with that, and I'll I'll kill you I'll kill your pet. Like like I'll don't shoot your spider with a gun. gun. Like like yeah, like, and then turn it on you. Like do not don't don't fuck with me like that. I won't I won't have it. Well, how did how did and don't this, prank me with your pet? I'll 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 accidentally kill it, and I don't want that. How did the scene strike you? Because it's it's pretty it's pretty lengthy, like most of the kill sequences, and it features several real life tarantulas so crawling around. As as I've grown up, and I and I, I stopped threatening my my friends' pets, uh, <laughs> and I and I grew as an adult. I got to know like spiders a little bit better. I, I try to do the thing, you know, where I expose myself to it, thinking that'll that'll help or whatnot, but. At the end of the day, like, there's not really a whole lot you could do about it. But for me, it's particularly spiders' faces. And tarantulas, you have to get, like, really, really, really up close on them to, like, make out much, like, many distinctive features. For me, it's wolf spiders, man. Like, and yeah, specifically tarantulas their faces. have pretty small eyes inter- as, as spiders It's like a tiny go. cluster on yeah. the top of their head. It's not a big deal. Like, they have big fangs. I, I like, will say, like, there's, in this scene, there there is a lot of, like, macro photography. Like, they do get pretty close up yeah. on those tarantulas. And when that happens, it, like, kind of eased me out a little bit, if that's a word. But nothing in particular, like, really, like had my, like, skin, like, super crawling. I mean, I don't want one on me, but tarantulas they're, aren't that bad. Like, I, yeah, I might have an they're initial... Pretty, they're pretty docile, and mm-hmm. they're, they're, they're very slow. And I, I think that... Uh, it, uh, well, until they, they go to, like, catch something. And yeah, I think... It's like a blip. You can't see I think see the them two move. big really things cool. that cut the scene, even though some of it is very horrifying, the two big things that cut it are, it's obvious that they only had the budget for a couple of real like spiders. Like two or three real spiders. And so they yeah. use a lot of fake ones in the background, oh, and it's very no, clear that they're fake. No articulation. Yeah. It's like just, someone, like, like with, with it, like, on the end of a stick, because you only, like, see the front half of yeah. those, like, in the distance, like, just kind of, like, wiggling them left to right as they and move it's forward. It's the kind of thing like, where like it's, a, like, like Children's obviously, like shadow puppets. It's very play. obviously like two pieces: the front, the front half of the body with the front four legs, the back half of the body with the back four legs, and to walk it, it's just the 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 front piece like moves side to side. Mm-hmm. Like it's it has no sort of articulation to speak of whatsoever. And of course, they they use those for the kill shots um, because they're not going to coax a, a real life tarantula to actually like rip out somebody's tongue uh, because real life tarantulas aren't interested in that. Yeah. <laughs> well, and also the the foley in the scene is done in a way that makes it, them sound like rusty doors or yeah, something. Yeah, they're kind of squeaking. Yeah. Which I thought is, is funny. It's like, spiders don't do that. Yeah, you, you could almost like uh, like put like a baritone or a tuba bit behind it, you know, as they're like crawling up. Well, it doesn't help that, once again, like every kill in this movie... The person who is being killed just allows it to happen to them. They're just, like, lying on the ground as these some real and some fake spiders crawl on them very, very slowly. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I get it. 
but they're like at least have them thrash around a little bit. I, I guess they're trying not to hurt the spiders, but yeah, they can. Uh, well, they're not trying. They're also not trying to get bit by them. That's true. Like uh, that's the only way you can really do it. But I mean, do it with the fake spiders or whatever. But yeah, it's like they just lie there and let these like spiders crawl on them and then like pull pieces of their face off. The the shot where like the one goes into his mouth and and pulls out his tongue is pretty cool. Because it's like, I guess the way they did is they like built like half of a human head with like some dentures and like a mm-hmm. like a fake tongue in there and shot it from the side and then had the the spider go in and like pinch the tongue out. It looks pretty good though. Yeah, it's a really the, cool shot. The the spider the spider does not look good. No, uh, so there's but- a big problem with the spiders, right? So again, like in my my attempt to get over my fear, I did a lot of I did a lot of research on it, which just made things worse really. But um uh, I'm just imagining you every time you pull up another page you scream a little <laughs> bit. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> um uh, well my friends with pet tarantulas also like helped educate me a little bit um again in an attempt to help it didn't but uh <laughs> they tried i i do appreciate that for, uh, that uh but anyway so tarantulas uh, and most spiders like actually their their fangs are separate from like the big the big fat things on the front of their mouth like those are like kind of like it's kind of like their their uh, their lips right like um they're, they're called chelicera and they part to the side and then the fangs kind of come out beneath and under so, uh, like, from what I understand. Uh, and so, um, like, they're just kind of having, like, the chelicera, like, like do the pulling. It's not, there's no, like... Well, yeah, the, the fake spiders have, like, little pincers. They're, like, little like, plastic, little, little mouth, yeah. little plastic mouth pincers. And, and it doesn't really, it, like, it has the same silhouette as a tarantula, but, like, beyond that, like, it's really 2D and flat. Yeah. Like, and, and like... It, it's countered think, by like this incredibly like like realistic cute, looking frankly. like human gore. No, I agree. Uh, like 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 realistic human gore, but then like the creature itself is like a plastic toy. My favorite thing about it is during that scene, they keep cutting to what is supposed to be presented as like the POV of the person with like a tarantula on their face. But what it obviously is, is a tarantula on a sheet of glass that they shot from beneath. Uh, (laughs) And it's like, they they just keep cutting back to that, like, while the tarantulas are, like, ripping his tongue out. Like, it's like... It it just looks like he's lying under a glass top coffee table that has a spider (laughs) on top of it. Like, it does the effect of it, like, supposed to be, oh, it's on his face. Like, they're too far back. It doesn't come across at all. (laughs) I find it, like, I feel like a lot of what we're saying sounds like we're ragging on the film. All this stuff I find incredibly charming. Yeah, I love it. There's two lenses we're looking at this through, essentially. There's the lens of, like, don't change anything. It's hilarious. It's delightful. But also, if we were to try and do it legitimately, to do it better, right? But, I mean, don't don't do change it. the scene. We're not script doctoring it. Like, like, but but if you were like to to do it that way, first off, you'd have like one of the spiders. Like, I don't know. It's already like dumb nonsense fantasy. So, like, have one of the spiders like do like a poison gas thing on him or something. And like, Spit like acid in his face know, well, or well, something. Yeah. Well, well, well no, already like, we already had, had the acid in the face. I'm just saying, like, like knockout gas so that he's paralyzed and can't move. And that way, like, he falls to the ground. Or gets the like, acid in his face. He's doing his work and like. A spider comes up and like bites, bites him, him on the ankle, yeah. and then he becomes paralyzed. paralyzed. That's even better, yeah. right? Because yeah. like, yeah, so like, there's like a neurotoxin or something. So like, yeah, he he falls over. That's how real spiders do. Exactly. Like, yeah, it's, it's already how spiders work. It's great. Um, uh, and then you just have it be like two spiders. Like again, 
so glad this movie has the fake spiders in it. But if you're trying to do the it. The fake spiders like, are really cute. They're, yeah, they're like ha- they're like spirit Halloween, like the kind of shit that you put in your front lawn <laughs> uh, around Halloween. See, and I think Cash why it works for me in this movie is, once again, it hits that perfect balance of silly and campy and fun with, like, legitimately chilling, horrifying practicals. Yeah. Like, the, the actual sequence... Of the dude's tongue being ripped out is horrifying. It looks great. Yeah, but it, it looks. It, it looks they, very they hit realistic. such a yeah. perfect tone with this movie, mm-hmm. where it's like, it's still fun. Yeah, it's it's absolutely constantly fun. Since we're we're pretty much just talking about sequences, uh, the next sequence that I want to talk about is when the uh, the blind girl gets killed because that's another I think really funny one. Cleveland, you were really on edge because you didn't want them to kill the dog. I remember it yeah. subverted the uh, the expectation. Mad. Yeah, I was I was like I was getting I was getting a little hot because it was yeah it was it was setting it up for, to do like the the dog kill because like. You know, again, like this this era and genre loves to fucking do I mean, that. Horror, horror loves to kill animals. I know, um, and uh, like it usually, like for me, it feels cheap. Like it's like they know what they're doing. It often strikes me as a cop out in some cases. Plenty, plenty of exceptions, but but they didn't do that. In this they case. no, no, it was awesome. They played me exactly how they wanted to. Yeah, and I was I was set up. To, I was I was like, oh my god! If these fuckers kill the dog, I'm gonna be so mad. Well, right? They they introduce a bunch of zombies mm-hmm. and into the room. Yeah, you know, she's like she's, in the corner. She's blind in the corner, and mm-hmm. here's all these figures. And she, uh, she of course, sets her scene. Yeah, dog six on the him. dog on them. Yeah, get him, Dicky. Yeah, and I'm dog like, oh, the fuck dog no, the zombies are gonna yeah. eat the dog. I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be pissed because like the the tone is is definitely setting us up for another kill scene. Like like someone's gonna die here. It's not gonna be the zombies. Um, but sure enough, it does kill one of the zombies and it comes back to her. Well, it, they play it so perfectly because she sicks the dog and you know you hear some rumblings in the background and then you get silence. And you think, oh shit, or, or off. The God dog is yeah. definitely dead. I was mad, yeah. And then, then the dog runs back. It runs back, and he's got like, uh, okay, like he has a like gore effect on his head, but it's it's so clearly like a happy dog that like just yeah. has like like they put some like paper mache on his head or whatever that like it's they, not they put some red jello on his yeah head, like yeah. it's not at all like anger inducing or traumatizing like it, that immediately brought me around because well, it was just I was just like oh what a happy dog and he's just got like some practicals on his head very funny what I love about it is like you can't quite tell if it's supposed to be like the zombies guts that he's gotten on him or if like the zombie hurt the like the zombie yeah, like got he- the dog but then you know it, it comes back and uh she thinks she's safe and then uh dicky the dog uh rips her throat out yeah because uh, it's a zombie and, dog and, and bites her ear off too like mm-hmm. it's it's once again pretty prolonged but like really great effects mm-hmm. uh like it's it's it is fairly obviously just like a, a, a dog muzzle that somebody has their hand in. But it's like moving puppet, so fast. And it's just like and it's like biting and like pulling stuff off of her. But mm-hmm. it looks really good. The, the reason that scene is funny to me before the actual kill happens is because the zombies show up in the house and they do nothing. 
Much like the zombies in the rest of the movie, they're literally just standing there, and we get a lot of, like, cool shots of, like, their faces, and, like, the practicals look good, but they don't move to attack her at all, and she's just, like, in the corner for, like, two minutes screaming, like, no, you can't! Don't touch me! Get back! I don't want to go back! Get away! No! And it'll do, like, a wide well, shot, and all the zombies are just standing. Yeah, there and, and they're not even, like, slowly, like, stepping towards they're not, her. They're not even, like, advancing on they're just hanging out yeah. and like they're just I, um you know the the first time she said it i was i was kind of wowed i was like oh she doesn't want to go back oh cool there's like some neat lore there like that's that's fun um but then she says it about like serious character yeah. yeah but then she says it like four more times yeah. like like and oh, more, I, uh, more than four yeah yeah i guess she i guess she, she does go back we don't really see anything come of it after she gets killed but i guess she goes back yeah she also escaped do we see hell? her return as a zombo no no. Missed opportunity. What uh, what I really appreciate about the zombies in this movie is more than most movies, they feel like legitimately undead to the point where, like rotting corpses. Yeah, rotting corpses that like truly don't have any will or abilities or anything. They're like the, you they're see, the sleepy. They're the sleepiest zombies I've ever. Yeah, seen in there's movie. a there's a point where you know later in the movie our main characters are running away from it and they hide out in a room and you see them on the outside of the room just bumping into the door, yeah. not yeah. pushing it, not, you know, using their physical ability in any way, just, you know, running into it, basically. So, that, Part that, of me loves that, right? I love like, it, yeah, like, I absolutely um, well, love also, it. Also, like, 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 unironically loves it, too. Because, again, like, what what is the, the sleepiest sleep but the but eternal death, right? Like, uh, or the eternal sleep, which is death. So, like, sleepy zombies make sense. They're undead. They're puppets. You know, they're just corpses that are being puppeted around. They have no think, will anymore. I just don't think they're very scary. No. Because, um, like, there's there's lots of slow zombies. Like, like hell, man. Like, Romero. Of course, Don Romero, Romero did, like, it makes great scary slow zombies. But the thing about these zombies is, like, other than the first one at the beginning that gouges, like, Joe the Plumber's eyes out, like, none of the zombies ever like even try to attack anybody in this movie like in the in the dog scene they're just standing there later when the the doctor and liza are at the hospital like there's a bunch of zombies walking around but they don't even like raise their arms to attack them they're literally just like very slowly shambling in their general direction as he continues to forget that headshots kill them and shoots them in the gut from point blank range yeah. over and over again. See, yeah, um, I I love on paper the idea, uh, and, I, and I'm trying to think if I've seen a film do it, but much like tarantulas in that sense, like I'd I'd love to see like a slow moving zombie that can just occasionally move very fast. Uh, yeah, some, it moves some slow until zombie you like, films. come into range and it lashes out and grabs you. Exactly, yeah. and like I think that's a cool idea. And we do we do see like like some Romero films do something close to that. You'll have like a character round a co- like it, like often it's when a character rounds a corner or just doesn't see the zombie behind yeah. them that it like you know it, it gives them the well, old that's bite. Why, again. That's why zombies are scary, as we've talked about millions of times. Like they don't need to be fast; it's just that there's so many of them and they keep coming. They, mm-hmm. don't, they don't tire. It's like yeah, you can outrun them, but for how long? 
you know, uh, that that's the scary thing about zombies. But in, in this movie, like, the zombies don't even do anything. They just kind of shuffle in your general direction. And, like, even if you run into them, they still give you ample time to put four shots into their gut before you finally remember that a headshot will kill them and shoot them in the head and then do the same thing to the zombie standing right next to him. Shoot him in the stomach a few times before, <laughs> before remembering the headshot. That it's time to talk about the doctor. I think he's the most useless character in this entire movie, but is weirdly kind of presented as like the the hero. This is alleged, but considering the time period, I wouldn't be surprised if like he was inserted because they needed somebody to use a gun at the end and they were like, "Oh, the women, they cannot use the guns. We need to have a man to use the guns." <laughs> so they inserted this guy who looked Looks a lot like uh, like the Italian Jack Nicholson, so I'm going to call him Giacomo Nicholson for the rest of this episode. Oh, good. Um, Nicleone. But, uh, Giacomo Nicol- Nicholson son diamo. Nicleone. <laughs> uh, Giacomo Nicola. He's a doctor at the hospital where they bring, like, Joe the plumber and, like, the the old, like, artist's bones that they find. But he doesn't, like, do any sort of, like, investigation on them. Like, we don't, we never have a scene of, like, him doing an autopsy and being like, oh, whoa, whoa, the, the, the brain of this, of this 60-year-old corpse is surprisingly fresh or whatever. Um, but we, we do see him pull up his car next to the protagonist at one point in the movie, honk his horn at her, and then the next scene is them in a bar getting a drink. <laughs> Which is it's like, the Italian it's way. It's the Italian way. And, uh, like, this movie, they, they did... Even though it's a, it's an Italian production, like they they obviously did shoot in Louisiana. Like the in town stuff is like pretty clearly New Orleans, and uh, I I love that he's uh, like a couple of times she'll be like, oh yeah, I have such and such helping me with the hotel. She has Martha and Arthur, Martha and Arthur, as as they constantly say in the movie, uh, and he's like Martha and Arthur. I've never heard of them. And I know everybody around here. And then he does that again later with the blind lady. She's like, oh, yeah, the blind girl, uh, Emily or whatever. She lives uh, She lives at the, the old house at the crossroads. And he's like, a blind girl named Emily? I don't know her, and I know everyone around here. <laughs> and the old house at the crossroads? Nobody lives there. It's like we see the house. It's just like in New Orleans. It's like, what crossroads? It's a fucking city. Every road that crosses another road is a crossroads. That's called uh, it was different in their head when they wrote the script. And then they saw the reality and yeah. just said, fuck it and went with it anyway, which well, is jo- beautiful. Giacomo, Giacomo knows every single person in New Orleans because he's a doctor. Mm-hmm. and But he, he doesn't know about a blind girl who lives at the crossroads. And he doesn't know about Martha and Arthur either. As it turns out, there's a lot of things he doesn't know. Yeah, like how to kill zombies. Or how to load a gun. Let's talk about that. It's time. I'm itching. Um, This is one of those moments where I feel like I was touched by divine providence um, (laughs) to spot this. I can't contest that it's because true. this is like what we ha- what what we stumbled upon here is maybe one of the best things I've ever seen in a film in my life. 
And I'd say uh, among us, we have seen literally thousands of films. Amogus. Yes. <laughs> and there's there's just this moment in in the hospital scene when they're trying to get away from the zombies where they get into the elevator. And as the elevator is closing, I notice something. And I'm like, wait, we need to run this back because surely there's no way what I just saw is real. <laughs> sure enough, it was. But sure enough, we ran it back. And as the elevator door is closing, Giacomo Nichols- Nicholson pops open the revolver like he's going to reload it, reaches into his jacket pocket, pulls out a single bullet, and loads it backwards into the barrel of the gun. <laughs> <laughs> and we are not mistaken. We ran this back and we watched it. Mm-hmm. And that is absolutely what happens. Like we we did not all three of us, we did not miss see this. He takes a one bullet out of his pocket and puts it backwards into the barrel, barrel. of his gun backwards. as the elevator is closing. And I can't believe it. I just frankly can't believe it because like Think of how many people that moment had to get past, right? Yeah. It had to get past the actor who himself did it. There's no way he was directed to do that. He just did it. Because I'm sure his direction was, when you get into the elevator, reload your gun. And for some reason in that moment, he thought, yeah, I'm going to put a bullet into the barrel. That's how I reload a gun, because it's (laughs) 1776. (laughs) So first, it had to get past him. Second, it had to get past Fulci himself, who (laughs) was directing the scene and surely saw it. Third, it had to get past the cameraman who was shooting. Maybe it was Fulci. I think probably not. But fourth, and most egregiously, is that it got past the The editor. editor. Because the editor very easily could have trimmed one single second off of that shot. Would have been like, oh shit, he just put a bullet into the barrel. He loaded the the gun, not wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Oh shit, he loaded the gun, but he put the bullet in the barrel backwards. Mm -hmm. Like, and just trim, you know, just a few additional frames off the shot, and that would be it. But it snuck past all of those people and made it into this movie, and I got lucky enough to catch it. <laughs> and like, how many other people have missed it too? Because like, it's it's not it's not like front and frame. Like, it's 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 a little far back. Like, uh, it's easy enough to miss. Yeah, it's it's yeah. not it's not the focal point of the shot. It's not what you're supposed to be looking at. So in that regard, like, I can see how it would slip past. But like, when you spot it, oh my god, you can you can't ins- unsee it's it. Insane. Yeah, <laughs> it is. <laughs> It is absolutely insane. Like, this man... Well, what's funny, too, is, like, he empties the cartridge. He knows where the bullets go. That's the thing. He He knows where the bullets go. He He empties it. He pops open the cylinder of the revolver and dumps out the empty casings. Like, he does that and then takes one bullet and puts it backwards into the barrel of the gun. (laughs) How the fuck? How do you get it that wrong? And... Oh my god, I just, I don't get it. I don't get it at all. Like, I, I would I would understand, well, because, like, 
they had to reset the scene after that, right? Like after the elevator door closed. Maybe it was the last take, whatever. But there's no way that that actor, like if he's caught up in the heat of the moment, he's acting, whatever, he just does something and doesn't realize it. But there's no way that right after that, when they when they said cut and had to reset the scene, he was like, man, I don't know what I was thinking. I just loaded a, a bullet into the barrel of the gun backwards. Mm-hmm. Like, please make sure that doesn't make it into the movie. But it did! <laughs> what a gift. You know, like, maybe maybe the editor did see it, and they were just, like, pissed off about something. They're like, oh, fuck, fuck you, Giacomo fuck you. Nicholson, you sleep with my wife. <laughs> I make you look like a fool. <laughs> I make you look like a stupid idiot. Idiota. Idiota. Peso de merda. That's anyway, the I'm, I'm so I'm so glad it did make it into the film. Yes, um, because that was that was a truly uh, emotionally impactful moment for me <laughs> because I just I couldn't believe it. I just could, I couldn't believe it when I saw or it gift. the first time, and then when we ran it back again, and what I thought I saw was confirmed was just like, <laughs> yeah, because like you we, you could see things like that from time to time. Anyone can, right? Like it's like, wait, did he do that wrong? No, like, surely not. Like, oh, surely. And it's like, right, run it back. Not. We need to know. And uh, surely not. And when it was, oh, what a gift! What a gift! What a, what a man from heaven, man! What a what a special what a special thing. Yeah, so powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, like thank you Sarah for recommending this movie. Like what a, I needed that laugh. Well that's that's the thing is like this is not my first time seeing this movie. Yeah. But it was my first time catching that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and Sarah when you're as you're listening right now cuz I know you are I know you've seen this movie many times. Had you ever noticed that? Did you ever notice I, I, that I he loaded the bullet in backwards? Cuz again no. like the, the scene cuts right after it's in the background. It's not the focus. Like I could see it but like who has? Who else has seen this? You know, like in this movie. I feel like I've stumbled upon like the the cinematic gaff holy grail or the Ark of the Covenant or something. Yeah, dude. Like, is this is this like a known thing in this movie? Like I've never I've never I almost want to watch more Giallo and see if there's more cases of people doing this. If this is just like Maybe a it's weird cultural thing. thing. Yeah. Maybe it's a weird Italian thing. No, Maybe. but it, it's not though. It's not because because like spaghetti westerns because, all he uses revolvers because spaghetti westerns because world war Two because like like italian pistols load from the bottom usually no well, that's the thing italians don't know about revolvers except for the ones who know about cowboys but they it. do like revolvers aren't uncommon like uh no, like at that you time. Said, their guns load from the bottom they're they're they're, they're uh, magazine based yeah these are like these are like the children of world war Two. they've like, never seen they've they, never seen a revolver before they put a they put a a fake revolver in Giacomo Nicholson's hand, and he said, "What am I supposed to do with this?" Uh, <laughs> yeah, man, just goofy shit, goofy shit. Just cut beforehand or something, you know? Like that's the thing. <laughs> it's so the easy. Must have left it on purpose. And and you know what, Frank? No, the more the more they, I talk, they, think about it, they're that far into it. They're probably sleep deprived. It's the kind of thing you can miss. The the more the more I talk about it, though, like that's the thing. I don't know if the editor didn't notice that. Because, like, especially because the cut happened right after, like, when you're editing video, like, the last couple of frames, like, where you're making the cut, you're very, you're very honed in on it. Like, that's the point, yeah. you, to know when to make the cut. Now, now, see, he was, he was just, he was coming up on his espresso break, and, you know, he needed a cigarette, and, It is uh, time for my cigarette. Yeah. Um, I, 
I I think you can't my, smoke in the editing room. So, uh, I mean, this was Italy in the 1980s. You absolutely could smoke at the. I editing mean, you could, room. but yes. ill-advised, right? Like, film is flammable. Like, lots of things are ill ill-advised. <laughs> yeah. The Italians have done lots of ill-advised things. Yeah. Um, making yeah. this movie is not one of them, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I I I think that. Um, the more I talk about this, the more I think that the editor did notice it and said, oh, man, there's no way that I can't leave this in. Yeah. <laughs> like, that is just too funny. Because like, I probably would. Yeah. I, well, that's the thing. Like, that's that's what that's what brings me around. Because if I was in the editor's shoes, I would absolutely leave it in. <laughs> yeah. I would notice that and be like, oh, my God, I can't believe it. Yeah. Well, to, to use, like, a, like a modern... Uh, expression this is this is not a bug it's a feature <laughs> yeah it is a feature i mean we've been talking about it for like i feel like nigh 10 minutes by now um, i was expecting this to be a, like a pretty decent <laughs> take a decent amount of our time slot it's it's a central it's a central important part <laughs> <laughs> it is it is now uh because the story is not yeah. but the way the way that th- that this man <laughs> tried to reload his gun is very important <laughs> I mean, I just feel like it's icing on the cake for, like, how incompetent he is at killing the zombies for, like, the the, the whole ten minutes of the movie prior to this moment. Because, yeah. like, over and over and over again, like, he pumps bullets into the stomachs of the zombies and then finally realizes to shoot them in the head. And then he just does it over and over right. again. Like, like he's wandering <laughs> around the corridors, and he shoots the zombies a couple times in the stomach, and, like, they just keep coming. And then he shoots one in the head, and it falls. And then he repeats this process. Uh, multiple And then, times. yeah, he repeats it again. Like, when the the boss one, like, the, the dad, who's, like, super de- decayed at this point, is, like, coming after them or whatever. Like, he just fucking keeps unloading into its stomach. And this is after he's, he, we, we have collectively learned this lesson multiple times. Right. Yes. Like, like he, we have seen him learn this lesson. He has learned this lesson, and he just keeps fucking emptying shots into its stomach. That being like, said, all those shots that he keeps wasting on the zombies look they're great. All, they're all squibs. Which is, I mean, let's be real. That's that's why. That's why they did. We yeah. have so many squibs. We got to use the squibs. But this and that, they make sense. So why would they do this? Uh, we we need to do the squibs. We bought all of the squibs. We are not going to waste money on the squibs. Mm. <laughs> What do you know? You load the gun backwards. <laughs> <laughs> we saw you. We, you loaded the gun backwards. We keep it in the film. I think that might be the reason that he tried to point something out and they were just... Uh, we'll make him look like a fool. Yeah, we're just <laughs> leaving it in to spite him. We'll leave it in. You, you fucking fachanculo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I want to talk about the ending a little Let's bit go. with the yeah. painting. We're, it's time. Well, they introduced the painting early on, mm-hmm. and it's quite a striking painting. Uh, Goya esque, yeah, thick brush strokes. Yeah, it's it's like a it's like a hellscape, but not like your typical like fire and brimstone hellscape. Like it's kind of like a just like a vast grayscale sort of desert with like statues or like petrified people you can't really tell sort of like lying in the dirt um you know everyone's getting the ozymandias treatment very uh like is it a lot yeah 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 very haunting hellish uh at the end of the movie it all comes full circle because our main character is 
end up in the painting. Yes. Well, they're they're at the hospital and they come down the they come down the stairs and find themselves in the uh, in the basement of the hotel. Super cool. How did they get there and then like go to where they found the the body of the artist earlier? Then all of a sudden, sort of like find themselves in. in well, the there's painting. like a there's like a cloud of mist, and the yeah. zombies are behind them, and the <laughs> the only way they can go is through the cloud of mist, and they traverse it, and they go from the sewer to the the this really fucking awesome matte painting interior of the painting, and it's fun I don't because think it they was only a have painting. I think it was a set. Yeah, yeah. I think it, I'm pretty sure they they mm, yeah. they built that set, and then it sort of like fades off into darkness and mist. But like it's got like the the sort of like petrified human mm-hmm. figures lying on the ground. Right. And I found it really chilling and horrifying. Mm-hmm. It's like a great representation. Yeah. Of but I think like, it's, yeah, I think it's, but there's hell. like a map painting, like, like off, like off the set. Like it is like they're, they're on the set, like in the foreground of the body is maybe they're, I don't know. I, I was, I was maybe pretty caught in the moment. Maybe some of painting, but I think it, yeah. what it looked like to me is it looked like a set that then mm-hmm. they, they turn the lights off on the edges of it. So it sort of just like goes out into darkness. darkness. Yeah. Cause like once they, once they like find themselves in this, in this um this locale they they like keep trying to turn around and like run back but when they turn around it's just the exact same thing like literally the exact same thing and then they sort of just uh, uh walk into the fog and disappear and oh they went to hell i can't say i particularly care about these characters uh, Man, so, but the the effect is so good. But, I, but the set um, the set is cool. I I, yeah. I do like that they didn't have like enough space to like flush it out like 360 degrees fully. So like it's very two dimensional. Well, but what, but what they do is they like have them painting. turn and see the landscape, and then they turn again and they see the same one. Yeah, and they sort of imply that like it's the same thing in all directions. Yes. Uh, uh, so yeah, it's pretty, pretty spooky, but it is, it is also kind of, kind of cheap. Like, they like look in a different direction. It's like the exact same image. It's not like the same thing in all directions. It's like the exact same thing, like in all yeah. directions. Um, it's a, a physical representation of the painting that we've seen, mm-hmm. which is cool. Cause like it is too, like the painting yeah. is two dimensional. Mm-hmm. So that idea is kind of neat that everywhere they look, they see the same. Um, and also, reminded they go of, blind. Uh, it reminded me, oh yes, of course. Uh, which is cool, foreshadowing, because or uh, it was cool that the, the scene where the blind woman dies, like that's foreshadowing, and the girl as well going well, yeah, blind. The blindness saying, has to do she with She keeps this. saying, I, I don't want to go back. I don't yeah. want to go mm-hmm. back. So clearly she's she like trapped in the painting at some point. She has been released from hell, uh, just like all of these other bodies, but uh, she did a naughty, and she tried to warn the protagonist about like the, the hotel, so the... The, the dead came back and, and took her back to hell. Mm-hmm. Super cool. I do love the contacts that they're wearing. Most yeah, blindness cool. in mm-hmm. films is is depicted as like totally milky eyes. Um, but here, like they they do these really cool like green like pupils. Like where the eyes, like uh, they still have the whites of the eyes and the pupil. Well, they're are, like, are, it's like the pearl- iris. Sorry, the iris is there. There's no pupil. Um, yeah, it's like pearlescent, and it's got like kind of like cracks in it almost. Yeah, like they're sort of lightning bolt shapes. Really um, cool, really cool looking. Yeah. I'm sure, literally impossible to see it. Yeah, but, and I'm sure uh, probably like kind of painful too. Probably uncomfortable. Yeah, but yeah, it, it, it's a it's a cool effect. Um, and ooh, it happens to the protagonists at the end once they've made it to hell. That last scene reminded me a lot of uh, Jigoku. Um, yeah, yeah. 
same kind of like minimalist, like misty hellscaped. Uh, except of course, like in that movie, that's like the whole second half of the film instead of just the last scene. Which rules? Uh, yeah, like the movie was cool. Yeah, yeah. was cool. Um, well, one last thing I want to talk about before we jump into ratings or anything like that is the music. This is one of my favorite scores of all time. I think the it's music great. in this uh, by Fabio Frizzi is really incredible. Um, it's like a perfect like horror synth score. Mm-hmm. I actually learned recently that a couple of years ago, Fabio Frizzi was doing a U.S. tour where he's playing along to the movie. Oh, uh, cool. And I really wish I would have seen it because that sounds that incredible. Yeah. How much uh, notoriety does this film have? It's probably Fulci's best known film other than Zombie yeah. 2. I would um, probably say it's probably one of the top five most famous Giallo movies. Yeah, I think so. That sounds right. Hmm. Makes so sense. I mean, Giallo fairly is, deserved again with the practical. I, I yeah. think I think Giallo, in terms of like the film community at large, is a somewhat obscure genre. But within within Giallo, uh, this is this is definitely one of the the best known. One last thing um, that was interesting to me is that it's set in Louisiana, and they're pulling zombies out of hell, right? Yeah. But there's no. Like voodoo, vodun, Haitian, anything no. really. It it's just it's just satanic zombies in Correct. Louisiana. Which I thought was interesting. What's f- so funny about that to me is Zombie Two takes a departure from Dawn of the Dead and brings in some of that voodoo zombie aspects in terms of you know the island setting. Huh. Yeah, I mean it seems like a missed opportunity because like that is literally the origin of the zombie mythos and the word zombie mm-hmm. is like it is it is a, a it is like an explicitly like voodoo thing and it, one of the the earliest zombie films ever uh i walked with a zombie which came out in the late 30s early 40s i think um it's pretty good uh is is like using that that original zombie folklore Um, i mean considering this movie came out like right after zombie 2 i almost bet fulci wanted to do something different different. in terms of zombies it it seems it does i agree with cleveland though it does seem weird considering the setting yeah uh, in in louisiana around new orleans and stuff where there is like a, a large haitian community so like that would be part of the local folklore anywho um y'all ready to rate yeah yeah uh yeah this is the this is probably gonna be like a like a good solid four out of five for me um lots of really great practical effects like bare bones story uh but uh, everything is is so charming the 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 shitty adr the 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 cheap little spider effects uh everybody just letting themselves get killed like it's all just such a, a fantastic showcase for like the really good uh gory practical effects um i like this movie a lot yeah four out of five uh, for me i love this movie i think it's maybe my favorite giallo movie i think this soundtrack is so perfect all the practical effects are so awesome and so charming and fun i think again this movie hits a perfect balance between being horrifyingly gruesome and really campy and funny to me this is a a perfect movie of its kind so i'm gonna give it a five out of five oh yeah nice 
I had a really wonderful time with it, you know, for all the same reasons. I think when it's, uh, when the quality, when it's not quality, it's charming. And when it's quality, it's fucking awesome. Like, again, the practical effects are great. And again, the score, yeah, the score really did it for me too. Cause again, like it has like kind of Western vibes. Um, so yeah, there were, there were so many great things with this film, but for me, like there is so much of it is like endearing charm or I guess, I don't know, for whatever reason, for, for me, it hit about a four, like, like when it comes to like my, my enjoyment of watching it the first time, but maybe my, my, that might change over time is, as I always say, but yeah, I would, I would say, yeah, I'm, I, I'm right at, I'm right at a four on it. I, I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, it was, it was solid. Uh, all right. Well, that gives the beyond an average of 4.3 out of five pods. Um, if we've got listeners who have shutter, uh, it is on shutter. And if you're looking for a good, fun, campy zombie movie uh, that you don't have to pay super close attention to, but there's lots to enjoy, definitely hit this one up. Uh, I, I think you, you won't be disappointed. Um, thanks again, Sarah, for, for picking this one for us. It was a good time. Mm-hmm. Uh, next week, we're back to we're back to, to a new film. A new giallo, in quotes. <laughs> in quotes. <laughs> uh, it's, <laughs> James Wan is back, baby. He found another synonym for Insidious. And uh, and we're gonna be watching his uh, his newest film, Disney's Maleficent. The Disney's <laughs> <laughs> Disney's Malignant. Um, yeah, I uh, we'll, we'll talk about this more after we see the movie, of course. But uh, for several months now, there has been hype around. Oh, James Wan's next film is gonna be a Giallo film. It's like, oh wow, what's this? Uh, and it. Based on the trailer, it looks like he just did Insidious it again. It looks nothing like a Giallo film. <laughs> looks nothing like you know. There's something about the like the aesthetic of it though that like it's not Giallo, but I do find appealing. There's, like, a, there's a killer. In the trailer. There's a killer who has black gloves, which in that regard, I guess, is Giallo. I like yeah. simplicity, but but he's also a ghost. So yeah. It, yeah. So yeah. immediately, very, was not like, very strange. I don't know. There there were a lot of things like about it, like uh, in the trailer, where uh, it it seemed like kind of like pulled back a little bit, especially like compared to Insidious, like which has like it's very lots bright colors and again more more Giallo, like uh, bright colors and like weird monsters and things. Uh, the simplicity, yeah. Of, of like just like a like a ghost like in black is neat and uh, sure. I do I do like the the font I like how the font kind of grows it gets a, it's a cool effect sure and uh, I don't know like the the style of the trailer actually has me intrigued which is interesting because I generally hate those movies sure. so I'm I'm going in with a with a weird perspective um, I'm expecting this to just be insidious all over again. yeah Bye. I'd be remiss to mention on this episode that. I can definitely see like the influence this movie had on Eli Roth. Think oh, about sure. more recent Giallo esque movies. I feel like his movies have such a direct lineage in terms of like practical like effects and yeah. gore. Well, I mean, you know? fuck, he did the and now we're spiraling off into a tangent, but like, fuck, he did the fucking Green Inferno, which is basically just his version of Cannibal Holocaust. Yeah. So, yeah. like, it, you know. Eli Roth is is very obviously heavily influenced by Grindhouse and, like, Italian horror. But, yeah, bringing it all back, it's, like, I definitely see that being, you know, labeled as giallo-influenced. 
I don't know if Malignant is going to be anything like that, you know? Based off the trailer, I have a hard time seeing it. Maybe the movie will prove me wrong. We'll talk about it on our episode next week because uh, I do think that if you're going to throw the word Giallo around, uh, do it for good fucking reason. Don't just use that shit willy-nilly. Anyway, next week, Malignant, James Wan. Is it good? We'll see. Is it giallo? We'll also see. (laughs) Anyway, it's time for a word from our sponsor, the Sponsor Shelf. This episode is brought to you by Rhea Repulsa's Anti-Horny Spray. Oh. Are you are you feeling like a horror Boris, where you're uh, an uh, an endless horror snake uh, sucking your own tail? So horny that you're self sucking uh, into oblivion. Wait, oblivion? A horror I, 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 I mean, Boris? honestly, aren't we all? Oh, a horner Boris. A horner Boris. Uh, well, fear no more, or be horny no more, with uh, Rita Repulsa's. That Rita Repulsa sounds like a Harry Potter character. Uh, She's from Power Rangers. Oh, that's why. Okay, yeah, that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, yeah, of course. Her right, Rita. The original Power Rangers. Of course, yeah, yeah the, the, the horn yeah, uh, hat. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and the, and the, the staff. staff. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I'm tracking, I'm tracking. Um, so, yeah, it was a very, yeah, it's an old memory. An ancient memory had to be awoken like an elder god. Uh, Rita Repulsa, yeah, anti-horny spray. No, here's the thing. Her character is... Uh, I, mean, I don't know if she she's kind of horny for monsters, right? Like she totally. wants the, the the monster show. So why is she making an anti horny spray? Uh, our, our resident doctor will answer. Um, so uh, there's more monsters for her to fuck. Oh, okay. She's making everybody else not horny, so she can bang all of the monsters. I see. Yeah. I see. Too much competition. I don't know if I wanted to see, but I do. And now you will never unsee. Yeah, I guess so. Um, well, get it or don't. Actually, yeah, I don't know. You, you you decide. Get it. They're giving us money to promote the product. So we use it. It's great. I use it personally. And never in my life have I been less horny. Don't don't ever. become an endless cycle of, of horny. An in- <laughs> Use the spray. <laughs> break the break the cycle of horny. Use the spray. Yeah. Break the the horny Boris. <laughs> the horny Boris. <laughs> Who's Boris? Oh God. <laughs> Boris Johnson, Prime Minister. Of no, America. no, oh, he needs. Okay, I will buy the spray. Here, yeah, hand it over. Get, yeah, get him Boris Johnson yeah, yeah, just running gross, around the street, nasty man with a massive boner, crying. I can't get rid of it. Get the absolute <laughs> lad away from you. Use Reader Repulsa's anti horny spray. <laughs> Oof. Uh, all right, that'll bring us to the end of this week's episode. Uh, if you're still horny for us, uh, and why wouldn't you be? And why, after that, why wouldn't you be? Uh, the best way to support the show is to uh, head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five star rating and a review about why you like the show. It doesn't have to be much; just a couple of words. But it it is a it is much to us. It does mean a lot, honestly. It does mean much to us. And really, this episode was brought to us by our patrons, uh, specifically our honorary pod boy patrons, uh, Sam Simon and Sarah Morris. If you want to join the ranks of the honorary pod boys and uh, give us films to uh, suggestions for films to review on the podcast, we've got a big spreadsheet. It's waiting for you, and you can do that at uh, patreon.com slash podpeoplepod. There's also a couple of uh, lower subscriber tiers to support the boys if you so choose, but fear not. 
None of our content is paywalled. You'll always get every episode for free. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at PodPeoplePod and at Letterboxd.com slash PodPeoplePod where you'll find a list of all the films we've talked about on the show with our average ratings and links to those reviews. You can follow me on Twitter at some spooky snake. I'm on Twitter at Mr. Sheets. And I'm occasionally tweeting for Light Arc Studios. We put out progress on it. It stares back. Join our Discord for extra content. It's pretty rad. Um, and yeah, you can also find my work uh, via Dread XP. Uh, Spookware came out recently. It's super cool. Um, stay tuned for several other cool games uh, coming out through Dread XP as well. Um, it's, a, it's an awesome studio. I'm happy to be making cool games for them. All right, thank you for listening. Next week, oi, it's Malig, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs>